Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportshow.com. This is episode number 12. On today's episode, we're going to chat the Super Showdown on Friday. We're going to talk about John Moxley and his big win in New Japan for the IWGP United States Championship. We're covering Raw and SmackDown, Goldberg versus The Undertaker, Randy Orton versus Triple H, and what will Brock Lesnar do with the Money in the Bank briefcase? So far, he's given us the bait and switch. Will he finally cash it in on Friday at Super Showdown? All that and much more on the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever it is and whenever it is you're listening to the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. Brandon is on the other line. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing great, Jim. What's happening? Uh, not much, man. I just uh, finished a, re- a recorded spot, I suppose, the first of many videos for thesportster.com where we break down the news and rumors for the week, and we're going to do that a couple times a week. So, uh, if anybody's curious uh, to see what I look like instead of what I sound like, you can now go on the social media pages on thesports.com and you can check out those videos, which should be up later today. Um, so we'll see. I mean, who knows? I might get a whole bunch of feedback being like, that's what you look like? Oh, my God. You never you never <laughs> know, right? Hopefully that's not the case. So I've been doing that all morning, uh, but we had to make sure that we took time to uh, record our podcast. Um, how are you? Busy week. You do, you're a big Boston Bruins fan. What is that series tied at 2-2 for the NHL right now? Yeah, it's 2-2. It's going back to Boston. Uh, you know, best of three series at this point. So pretty much all you can ask for is a hockey fan. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it a whole lot. Uh, I saw that uh, Boston smoked St. Louis the other night. It was like 7-2, and then St. Louis came back and won a tight one. So uh, right now it looks like it's Boston series to lose, but you never know, right? 2-2, um, anything can happen in the in the final three yeah. games. Um, we got a lot to talk about, man. I mean, I woke up this morning and we've been covering this story extensively here on the podcast and on the sports.com and on wrestle ups and basically anywhere that you and I are putting out content, just John Moxley stuff is just, it's crazy. I mean, he's left WWE. He's all over the place. He just went to new Japan and he won the IWGP United States title today. Um, can you think of another guy who's left WWE and made an impact this quickly? So it's kind of a cheating answer, but I guess Chris Jericho would be the only answer, right? He left WWE, went to New Japan, had like the main event that wasn't a main event against uh, Kenny Omega. Then he also had the the title win himself, the U.S. title win. So technically Chris Jericho, but I don't think that counts because we've seen Jericho do things outside of WWE in the past uh, before he went to the company. So technically he's already been a global star. Ambrose yeah. slash Moxley wasn't that star. He was, you know, a homegrown talent, so to speak, despite having, like... I mean, he was known by, you know, the very, very hardcore indie fans, but most people didn't know who Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley was before when he was wrestling all those extreme hardcore matches. Now, though, everyone has their eyes on him, and they can't uh, they can't take them off, because if you do, you're missing a lot. And that, that goes, you know, for the day. It's not like it's a, oh, well, he did something last week, so you missed it, you missed it. Every single day is like there's something new with John Moxley, and today he's a champion. So new attire, yeah. new finisher, everything. Yeah, yeah. Jericho's a good answer. The only real difference that I can see between the two is that when Jericho went 
to New Japan and he did everything with Omega and he won the title and you know he was a massive star over there. There was no real indication that he wasn't coming back to WWE, right? At the time, yeah. he had still said, I'm I'm never gonna wrestle for another North American promotion other than WWE. And AEW wasn't a thing then. With Moxley, I have never seen a guy burn so many bridges so fast. If you've listened to these interviews, like the Talk is Jericho interview was one thing. And we'll talk about this a little bit. And I know you haven't had a chance to really dig into it. But he did another interview with Wade Keller of PW Torch on his podcast. And if there was something that he didn't cover in the Talk is Jericho, he covered it in this interview for like two and a half hours. There's no way. I mean, I guess Never Say Never in WWE is a thing. And other people have come back. But holy crap. Like this guy has burnt every bridge you could possibly imagine. He has trash talked WWE to death. He's not coming back. I mean, there's no – it'll be years and years and years and years before that even remotely happens. And if it does, it's only because WWE wants to capitalize on a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. But he has – he's really laid into them, right? Like, so that's a major difference for me. Uh, Cody is another one I suppose can be close. I mean, he left bet on himself and over a longer period of time really made himself into a star and has turned this AEW thing into a reality. Um, so he's gone on. But Moxley has just – you know, skyrocketed from the second he left WWE. He put out that video and just took off. And it's just gone insane ever since. I don't know exactly what the story is with the IWGP title, if he's going to hang on to it until October when the TV deal is, because he's really only supposed to be wrestling outside of AEW until their TV deal kicks off on TNT. But that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to go? I mean, we can keep talking about Moxley. But uh, there's a lot going on. Raw and SmackDown. We got the Super Showdown on Friday. Um, you got a place you want to start this week? I mean, if you want, we can start with Takeover, since it like in a chronological order that would work. Sure. Okay. Well, let's let's do that then. Um, for me, Takeover was really good. It was weird that it didn't happen on the same weekend as another major WWE pay per view. I kind of liked I, it though. Yeah, it's neat for them. I mean, it's uh, they get the weekend all to themselves, right? Instead of stealing the show. Which uh, they do WWE. every single week. Yeah. yeah every time there's a pay per view, the they take it. Like, I, I watch the, the pay per view every single time. Like, I'll watch TakeOver, then I'll watch the pay per view, and I'll think, man, nothing on tomorrow night's card will beat this match. And it happens consistently every single show. The main event almost always, and I mean, there's usually other matches on the show that are really good as well, but usually the main event of the show will take, you know, the entire weekend by storm, and the rest of the, the weekend, including the WWE pay per view, is just, you know, left in the background. Yeah, it was really good. And they didn't steal the show from WWE. But I'll tell you, there are some people out there watching that takeover and said they stole the show from AEW, which just the week prior put on Double or Nothing, and people were in love with that pay-per-view. Uh, did you have a preference? Which one did you like better? Oh, that's a tough question. I thought I they were both really, good. really good. The only reason – I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't like that. I don't like that question. <laughs> uh, I, I can't put one ahead of the other. But I will say the main event of TakeOver was the best match I've seen all year. How about yeah, that? that was really good. The Johnny Gargano, you know, Adam Cole stuff. It's just unbelievable. The only negative you could draw, if you want to be really critical, is that they just continually kick out of each other's stuff all the time. It's a constant kick-out fest. But I like it. Yeah, and, and a lot of people do. But that match was really good. And you can't tell me they're not going to have another one. You know, Johnny Gargano's got the first one. Cole's got the second one. Both times the title has switched hands. You're telling me there's not going to be a rubber match? After that match and that clinic and they're one apiece, there's no way they finish as dead even, is it? 
I don't know. I would say that as far as the kicking out thing goes, though, uh, he never kicked out of like the last shot from Cole. So that was something where like you didn't didn't kick out of the finisher, but they did kick out of big spots. Kind of the way like I mean Jericho kicked out of um, the V trigger right a few times at uh, double or nothing, and it's not really a finisher. It's a huge move, and it could be a finisher in some situations, but it's not you know the the be all end all of finishers. So when I came down to it, you know, there were some reversals for um, submissions, which, again, a submission isn't the be-all, end-all. We've seen people break out of submissions in the past. But when the last finisher is hit, that should be the last finisher. And that was the case for uh, for Cole versus Gargano. But as for a rubber match, yeah, I would love to see another match. These guys, it's so good. It was 32 minutes. I think on the nose, it was 32 minutes. And when the match started, I was just watching. And before they even locked up, First of all, before the match even started, when Cole came out with Josiah Williams doing his uh, his ring music, the the custom song. I don't know if you know who this guy is, but he's like a, he's a rapper. He does a lot of these. He's a huge super fan for WWE, and he does like all these like remakes for WWE songs. Like he'll take the song, like he'll sample the background pretty much, and he'll just rap over it with custom lyrics. And I've seen him do it in the past with like it's on YouTube with like Ricochet coming out and surprising him on stage and stuff. So he's really good. And I thought that he added a lot of like good um, feel and emotion to the match before it even started. And then you have, you know, before they ever lock up, these guys are just, they have the crowd behind them completely and everyone is just ready to go because they know that they put on a 5.5 star classic, you know, five and a half stars or in the five star scale. It's not easy. And they did that the last time they fought in the two out of three falls match. And just all throughout the match, man, it was just a slow build up to then just, Action, action, action. And that was, I mean, that was a good match, but there was like three or four other matches that I would say were incredible on the card. So yeah. it, it was a good time. Well, yeah, and they had some matches on there that, you know, by looking at them on paper, you wouldn't think would be as good as they maybe should be. Like, I don't think people came into the Tyler Breeze Velveteen Dream match and thought that was going to be a, a match of the year. And it probably wasn't, but I mean, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. Tyler Breeze still has it, hey? Like, he. He does not get any credit on the main roster, but the minute he comes back to NXT and is put in a match with Velveteen Dream, I mean, you get to see how good this guy really is. That was a good match. So I'll say this. I know that like people might be soured on Tyler Breeze just because, again, like you said, the main roster has done no favors to him at all. But I am a huge Tyler Breeze fan, both as a person and as a wrestler. I've been a fan of his character forever. Uh, watching him, you know, every week on Up, Up, Down, Down, I support him more than I'll support Xavier Woods, despite Xavier Woods being the more likable person, technically. Uh, now, I'm, I'm a huge Tyler Breeze fan. I think Velveteen Dream is uh, a very isolated talent. You, you won't see him again. Tyler Breeze was kind of a similar role, right? But Velveteen Dream is so unique in what he is. And uh, I don't know that he'll make it at the main roster with that gimmick, just because the main roster crowd is different and because Vince McMahon doesn't know how to book people like that. So we'll see. But in NXT, it's really the perfect storm, right? Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze, outside of WWE, would both be megastars. So in NXT, they get to show that they can both do that. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was really well told. And I'm excited to see Tyler Breeze back in NXT. The other day, I went to write the uh, the news story that Tyler Breeze was you know, like full-time and that it was his idea that he was back in NXT full-time. And yeah. as I was writing it, I realized, wow, I am really passionate about Tyler Breeze. And I just turned it into like a full length feature because the guy deserves it. And again, yeah. that, was just one, that was just two matches on the card, and those were the there were so many others that were really good as well. But I didn't, like you said, I didn't expect some of them to be as good as they were. Yeah, and Tyler Breeze, I, I give him a lot of credit. I'm a fan too, and and not just because of his in ring stuff and the stuff that he's done on the main roster and, and entertaining and 
you know, that sort of thing. And where he's come from and fighting through different characters to finally get the Tyler Breeze gimmick in NXT and make that work. And then he goes to WWE main roster and it doesn't really pan out for him. Um, but here's a guy who never seems like he goes on social media every once in a while and he he makes a comment or a snide little remark here or there. And that's OK. But he doesn't seem to complain about his place in the company, you know, in a time where right now John Moxley is just trashing the snot out of WWE and Sasha Banks has taken her ball and gone home. We don't really know what the story is there, but she's disappeared. She's still in her contract. Sounds like she's just going to sit it out forever until like the whole Pac Neville thing. Um, this is a guy who's probably got a really good reason to be unhappy. And he just says, you know what? This is what they want. And this is how they see me. And I signed this piece of paper and I agreed to this. And it is what it is. And he doesn't seem to complain about where he's at. There's a lot to be said for that too, right? Yeah. So like you said, he's made like snide comments on uh, on social media and stuff throughout the last, I don't know, year and a half or so. But Recently, he also answered. He said, "Hey, I signed the contract, right? I put my name, my my pen to paper. My name is on this paper that says they can do what they want with me. They make the decisions, and I go with it." So he's got a very realistic attitude towards the whole situation, and I think it's uh, it's refreshing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said here. It's not like I disagree with Moxley or that he there shouldn't be some sympathy for these guys and what they're going through and just how hard it is to work in that system. Sometimes we talk about it all the time. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, when you sign up to be a part of WWE, you better not forget that, yeah, this is your dream and this is where you all wanted to be. But WWE is bigger than you. It's a machine. It has its system, its infrastructure. It doesn't change for anyone. So if you're going to sign on to be a part of WWE, you need to be okay with the fact that this isn't always going to work out for you. Right. This isn't going to be your show, my character, how I want to do this. And he gets that. He understands it. He might not like it. And it may not be the way that it should be, but at least in NXT where he wants to be now, he probably has a little bit more freedom to really showcase his stuff. And that's probably going to be something to watch here. Like, are guys going to ask to go back to NXT? Like, obviously, you've got to be careful if you're NXT and say, well, we don't all of a sudden want a flood of these main roster guys coming back and it's not being a, a launching pad for new talent. But there's got to be something to that. Like, if Triple H is running NXT and they don't have to go through that whole infrastructure system and they get a little more creativity in there, you might see more of this stuff, like where guys like Tyler Breeze come back and and get a fresh start and and reboot and get to show their stuff and and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about watching that. Stick with the card, though. Uh, Shayna Baszler, that was a decent match. Can anybody beat this chick? <laughs> I mean, they're building her up like, uh, like Ronda Rousey, right? And I mean, it makes sense. They're both very similar uh, characters as far as uh, the heel Ronda Rousey went. Uh, Shayna Baszler has been believable since day one. Like they they used her the right way uh, in NXT. They really built her up from MMA star into WWE superstar. And when I say that, I don't mean like superstar isn't any other wrestler. I mean she's actually like a megastar. The way she looks, the way she's presented on NXT. Whether or not she gets to that point of the main roster, I don't know because who knows what they're going to do in the main roster. And I'll mention that again, as far as the women's roster goes, when we talk about Raw and SmackDown, I'll, I have a point to mention as well as to why anybody else coming up from the uh, developmental just doesn't stand a chance because of one specific person on the roster. But Shayna Baszler, man, she, she looks good. She looks tough. She's got the character. She's got the mic work. I don't think anyone could have seen this coming from someone who made a transition. And it wasn't that long ago that she made a transition from MMA to WWE. So good for her. Yeah, I mean, I see that she could be 
especially if Ronda Rousey, excuse me, doesn't really come back right away. Yeah. Um, WWE may make her, you know, the spitting image, so to speak, of Ronda Rousey. And they, they clearly like that kind of character. Um, so she'll do well when she's called up. Uh, the surprising match for me, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised because the tag matches are always good, but the Street Profits winning the tag titles, that was a really good match. That's and what I'm I was going to say, yeah. I'm glad that they won. Yeah, that match was, I mean, I'm always going to root for the Undisputed Era. I have a huge mark for the Undisputed Era. But, uh, like, especially, I mean, I've been a fan of Red Dragon since the beginning. I've been a fan of uh, Roger Strong since before he signed NXT. And Adam Cole, I'm, I, I can't tell you how much I like Adam Cole. So to have all four of those guys in the same stable, that that always will hype me up. But the Street Profits, they've put the work in. They deserve it. They're funny. They're a good little gimmick. I can see them being a nice little mid-card tag team on the main roster, you know, in the not-so-distant future, too. That'll be interesting. That'll be fun. Then again, you know, where are the Viking Raiders that are there now? Viking Raiders, uh, where are yes, they? Yes, they're the Viking <laughs> Raiders. They're, they're on the main roster, not that they've been seen in the last month. Um they're no, they were on NXT for a little bit, and the match turned into a disaster, and they vacated the titles, just walked away from them. And then they haven't come back to the main roster since, I don't think. Um, and they're certainly not, uh, haven't been on Raw and SmackDown, and they're not advertised for the Super Showdown. So I'm not really sure what they're doing with them, but yes, they are officially the Viking Raiders now. Okay, so the Viking Raiders, you know, there was Sanity, the, even the Revival up until recently, which again, we'll talk about them later. The teams that look great in NXT because NXT books tag teams properly don't really make the transition to the uh, the main roster so well. So I'm hoping for the best for Street Profits. Uh, I hope that I'll change them to just like Angelo and Montez at the main roster level. But oh, I'm, the, sure, uh, they will. I'm sure they will. So yeah, the yeah. Uh, that that match was surprisingly really really entertaining. Yeah, you had four really good teams. You have uh, it was over 20 minutes the match too. And it was it was good. It was a nice little. Uh, but what I like about I mentioned this with uh, with double or nothing as well. What I liked about Takeover was they didn't have any filler matches in between, and usually they don't at Takeovers, or really NXT in general because there's only there's only so much time they have on the show. But you had um, Riddle versus Roger Strong, big match, right? You had Matt Riddle, who's by all accounts primed to be a megastar in WWE. Uh, and Roger Strong, who before he signed the NXT was considered one of the best in the world. So he's always going to put on a good match. And that match was really good. You had the Street Profits winning the titles. That tag team match, really good. Uh, Dream versus Breeze, really good. Baszler versus uh, Sarai, really good. And Cole versus Gargano, match of the year. So all those matches in a row, in that order, means that there was no filler match. There was no small little thing in between. Good for them for booking that properly, as they usually do. Yep. Well, the reason I saved Matt Riddle for last was because after that takeover pay-per-view was done, and I agree with you, that was a really good match, he made more waves for going on social media and including himself in the conversation on the main roster than anybody I've seen in a really long time. I don't know if he caught up with it at all, but he basically came out and said he was coming to Raw on Monday and that he was going to ruin the surprise that Brock Lesnar was apparently going to cash in the briefcase against Seth Rollins. Obviously, Riddle did not show up. And then this morning... He trashed Goldberg online and yeah. said, hey, I'm looking forward to your match on Friday just to see how good of a wrestler you are. I mean, anybody who knows Goldberg knows that he is not an in-ring performer, technically, so to speak. Jackhammer, Spear, one, two, three, you're done kind of deal. Um, so I'm not sure where the beef is, but he did show a picture of Goldberg blocking him on social yeah. media. Clearly, there's something there. 
Um, I don't know what it is. I can't imagine it's going to lead to a match, but he's drawn a lot of attention lately uh, for, you know, calling out Lesnar. His legacy will be to want to retire Lesnar. Now he's calling out Goldberg. And he says he's showing up on Raw. I mean, how far away for, are we from Riddle making a jump, do you think? I hope soon. I don't think that he fits in NXT. I think that there's no reason for him to be in NXT. You're not going to make him the champion, right? He's not the, the typical mold of what NXT is. And he's really... I mean, I would say he's definitely the mold of what uh, WWE is. You know, big guy, good look. The character work is interesting. It, it seems like he, he he isn't good at speaking on the microphone, but then you realize that's just him. Like, there's no character there. He's just himself when he's on the microphone. And I think that's, a, that's again, a, a refreshing change of pace for what we've seen in WWE in the past. He, uh, he has all the makings of a WWE champion one day. There's no reason why this man shouldn't love him. Then again... EC3 is on the main roster, and he's been buried more than anybody. And he also, this is the second chance with him, and he looks like he should be, you know, pushed to the moon, but he hasn't been. So who yeah. knows? Well, everybody coming out of NXT, Bobby Roode, now Robert Roode, you know, all these guys, Sanity, they've, they've all disappeared. Um, the thing I don't know about Riddle is that his gimmick, if Vince McMahon will understand it, you know, if this whole king of bros, broski, you know, 420. I don't know that Vince is going to wrap his head around that. And if he doesn't, yeah. then that's going to disappear really quickly. But, you know, that's another time for another day. The Raw SmackDown stuff this week, I thought the shows were a little bit better. I actually preferred Raw to SmackDown this week. Um, the weeks prior were, ugh, they were awful. Um, but this week was okay. What did you think of the shows? So, Raw and SmackDown were fine. I thought that, I mean, again, some of the big spots in both shows were used for the 24-7 title. And that was interesting to me. I don't know why they would do that. I, I think that's... Look, it's a fun little mid-card spot every now and again. But don't put your main event in a situation where that's just setting up another spot for the, the 24-7 title. You know what I mean? It, it bothered yeah. me a little bit. Especially when the match was... The third time... I'm going to go right to the main event, because why not? Main event of Raw, I should say. Cesaro versus uh, Ricochet... They, they're both really good, but man, this is a waste of time for both of them. Like, especially if you're gonna ruin it with the twenty-four-seven angle, just just use them in a way that's gonna make them both elevated and, and look like stars. We looked at Ricochet on NXT. You knew that he's a megastar, right? You knew that this guy, even before he went to NXT, the guy has always been one of the most popular and and talented wrestlers on the planet. No one can sell better than him. The guy is a high flyer through and through. He's very talented in the ring. He can do chain wrestling. He is nothing on the main roster yet. He was a tag team, and now he's just you know the same match three weeks in a row. Cesaro, I think, I I still think they're going to use him in a in a big push soon. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if let's say Lesnar does end up winning the, the championship. Maybe Cesaro gets pushed into that role because he's super strong. It would make sense. It'd be believable. But Cesaro looks like he should be in a situation where he's the uh, you know the number one player soon. But again, that that whole twenty four seven angle really put a sour spot on the show for me, and, and it's sad because it wasn't a bad show, like you said. I wouldn't say it was a good show, but it definitely wasn't as bad as we've seen. And and I mean another thing that probably put I don't know how you felt about it, but the bait and switch with uh, with Brock Lesnar, that that kind of I think will leave a lot of people feeling a little sour. You know, classic WCW stuff. You know, the bait and switch. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll cover both of them. I respect your opinion. I 100% disagree with you. 
Um, the Cesaro Ricochet stuff, I could watch that all day long. All oh, I, day I don't long. mind the matches. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I give me seven, going anywhere with eight, it. nine, ten of them. I don't care. Those two guys are so good together that, and Ricochet is the guy who's going over at the end of this thing. You know, like they're, um, he's, he's getting the rub and Cesaro doesn't look bad to me in the loss. And I like the fact that when he did lose, he took a cheap shot from behind. He went out to get what was, I think at first a ladder and then the table. Now I I'm sort of with you on the 24 seven stuff. You do not overshadow the match for the 24 seven title at the same time. I laughed out loud when I saw R-Truth sitting on that table and Cesaro pulling him out. It was so unexpected and so weird, and it didn't, like, turn into this crazy match that was about the 24-7. It just was a really interesting time to plop him in there really quietly when the match was already over and Cesaro had lost. I was totally okay with it, actually. Like, I did not like the 24-7 stuff on SmackDown. That just turned into a big whatever, and then Elias won, and then he lost it underneath the ring, and they showed the second camera angle on the WWE exclusive, and oh, I didn't like that. But um, the the Cesaro Ricochet stuff, man, I even put a survey up on Twitter on Wrestle Write Ups that asking, could you watch this over and over and over again? And a lot of people seem to think that this would be great if they, you know, like you remember the Benoit Booker T best of seven stuff in WCW. I would be all for them doing that with Ricochet and Cesaro. I do think that Ricochet is the guy who should go over if they were to ever do that. Um, but Cesaro can make him look great, and he doesn't even need it. So in return, Ricochet makes Cesaro look really good. I think the two work really well together, and I'm okay with the fact that they've had three matches in a row. I was a little surprised, but at the same time, they've been fantastic matches and all different from each other. Never the same repeat match either, right? So um, I'm cool with that. The spot with the 24-7 stuff, I actually kind of giggled and laughed a lot at that one. But the bait and switch stuff for Lesnar, um, I don't know. I'm torn on it. Like, the thing that confuses me the most, I suppose, is the idea that in one week he's Beast Box, Brock, or whatever they call the hell out of the guy. And then the next week the briefcase is gone. There's not the boom box yeah. anymore. He's back to the Beast. He's saying whatever. I did like the beating. I like the idea. I would have I would have maybe liked a little bit more of an explanation as to why he wanted to wait till Friday, even if he had just said to Heyman, I want to punish this guy. Like, a simple sentence is like, no, I'm not done with him, right? Like, as in, I don't care about the title right now. I want to beat the living crap out of this guy repeatedly. Then you sort of explain why he's waiting till Friday. The only reason he's waiting till Friday is because he's got nothing to do on Super Showdown and they need something for him, so he'll cash right. in on somebody. I think he's going to cash in on Kofi. That's that's oh, my prediction. I, well, like that I, idea. I think they're building towards the idea that he's going to take it out on Rollins. And then I think he's going to turn and take it out on Kofi right after the Ziggler match. That's my guess. That's that's the, like real, that. the real bait and switch for me is if they do that, uh, the unexpected, that would be interesting. But yeah, they I'm OK. I mean, I didn't. WCW only got old with those bait and switches when they did them every week repeatedly for like. 70 weeks in a row sure that's when that sort of stuff got old for me but the bait switch i'm okay with you know and and the idea of the lesnar character um just lying and Heyman never tells the truth right so it's not like we should have expected when they said yeah we're going to cash it in on rollins this week oh yeah we're going to cash it in on rollins tonight we all had to know that wasn't going to happen right like so we shouldn't be that baited and switched it was just not 
not too unexpected. What do you think of the arm wrestling thing? There was a lot of feedback on that, a lot of backlash on that. I'm one of the few people who was okay with it, actually. Like, I don't, I can't imagine you would want to center the feud around that. But to build up two of the toughest guys in WWE, biggest, strongest guys, a little old school 80s, 90s arm wrestling leading into their match, which really has no steam going into it at all. Um, I was okay with it. Did you hate it like a lot of people did? So, first, I just want to say I don't understand why. And Corey Graves even talked about it on Twitter with uh, the Money in the Bank stuff. Why in the world is he getting in trouble for not cashing in Money in the Bank when he said he's going to and then blah, blah, blah. This has been a thing for, like, you know, over a decade. Can we not pretend this is a whole new thing and and do social media videos about it and stuff? It's stupid. The arm wrestling thing I thought was great because I couldn't care less about this match leading into it. But then they had, like, you know, the, the nice little, like, heel angle with Bobby Lashley. You know, the typical stuff we always see where, uh... You know, they they hold off before they, they match up and they, they take a few like false starts and stuff. And then finally they get going and obviously the, you know, the face wins as normal or, you know, the, the heel would cheat and punch him in between. That, that's kind of the way these things always go. Yep. I like that uh, Lashley slammed Braun Strowman after. That made for a very believable match and it made me think that this is going to be because uh, both these guys are really talented. I like Bobby Lashley a lot. Everyone thought Bobby Lashley was going to be a star when he came back to WWE. And then uh, he wasn't. And people now don't like Bobby Lashley. And they're very soured on him for some reason. So maybe this is going to be the turning point for both of them. Again, it seems very unrealistic to expect WWE to suddenly, you know, click and understand how these things work. So who knows? But both guys should definitely be bigger than they are. Yeah, well, I I like Lashley. I think that the stuff he was doing when he first came in and then the stuff that he did with Sami Zayn was awful. This is actually, I said it last week too, I thought Lashley looked good at Raw last week. I thought he looked good again at Raw this week. Um, I can't imagine that he'll go over Strowman on Friday, but at the same time, uh, he's finally starting to, you know, get comfortable in his own skin and his character. Uh, Getting away from Leo Rush, I think, was a good thing. Um, I, I liked it. You know, I was okay with it. The one thing that I hated, and I don't understand why they did it, and I talked about it, they that Charlotte Lacey Evans match. Did you watch yeah. that thing? So what? this is what I was going to talk about. What in the world is Charlotte doing there? They can't look an angle without Charlotte with the well, women's division. Yeah, and outside of that, the match itself, what was that disaster? Like <laughs> somebody said, and I read this somewhere, somebody said that they decided that they wanted to do like a shoot slash work. So... It's a work match that looks like a shoot match. So it was kind of like the, okay, well, don't let each other take each other down and, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh. That was aw- like that was awkward. That was yeah. just a really weird Lacey Evans. They both came out looking terrible. Like Charlotte's the type of person who is supposed to be able to have a tremendous match with anybody. And Lacey Evans is supposed to be the rookie who doesn't look like a rookie. Um, and they both looked awful. But she definitely looks like a rookie all the time she's in the ring, unfortunately. Well, I wouldn't say all the time, but that time for sure she didn't look good. Um, and I don't really know why and what the story was there. But, yeah, that was just weird. And I get it. Like, you're not putting an emphasis on the women this week because they can't be at Super Showdown on Friday. But you can Although Natalia and Renee Young are both going. What's Natalia doing? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why she's going. I'm I assuming Renee, Renee Young will be on commentary because she was last time. Yeah. But what I don't know what Natalia would be doing unless she's just an ambassador. Well, I think that might be it because she also mentioned in the past that she thinks that women should go there. So maybe this is just, uh, you know, her, 
they're giving her the opportunity to be the person. And really, there's nobody better to be that ambassador role. You know, we've seen Big Show and Mark Henry do it on the male side uh, in the past recently. So I can't see any reason why Natalia wouldn't be the perfect fit for that long term. Yeah. Are you even remotely looking forward to Super Showdown? Like, are you one of those people who could give two snots about this show? Are you interested in the Goldberg-Undertaker match? I mean, there's a lot of people who say that they have no desire to watch it. I, I'm interested to just see how weird the match is going to be and how they book it. But, like, do you have? are you planning on watching it? Do you have any desire to watch that pay-per-view? Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. It's going to be during the day on Friday, so I'll watch it for sure, and I'll see, like, what happens, and I'll be covering it and stuff. But it's a... Uh... I mean, it's like any other Saudi Arabia pay per view. They're they're both, or they're both exciting with some of the matches, but also why is it happening kind of thing. Uh, a lot of these matches are done so there's no consequence um, for the long term. I'm really excited to see Dolph Ziggler in the ring. That'll be interesting. I'm excited to see, like you said, you you've completely. I I was I mean because they've mentioned the Universal title being the championship was going to cash in on. If he catches it on Kobe Kingston at the end of all this, that would be fantastic. That would be a big surprise for me. Um, have they, I, I guess have, I'm somewhat excited, yeah. Have they done much in the way of title changes at these things? They really haven't, have they? I don't remember, to be honest. I don't I'm think they've really confused. ever done one. To be honest, like Universal title has never changed hands. Uh, the WWE Championship, I don't think, has ever changed hands. I mean, I don't see them necessarily doing that just based on their history with these pay-per-views before they've not really done anything in terms of title changes or anything significant storyline wise at these shows so maybe they won't but you know the buzz going into it is that they'll you know they'll be doing something here um well i mean i don't know what else there is to really chat about in terms of you know the pay-per-view is there anything worth uh covering that we haven't already the randy orton triple h promo where he uh they kind of went a little old school attitude era ish and talked about taking the balls out of the purse and and all that kind of stuff uh what do you think about that build up it just seems like it's two guys that are phoning it in these guys are both veterans they're both like hall of famers right definitely both hall of famers they've had this feud going for t- over 10 years you know that's like 15 years of of feuding and it just seems like more of the same with uh, the WrestleMania where everyone expects them to have like this huge brawl and it was just a wrestling match, you know? They don't seem to have the the typical... Like Batista and Triple H, there was a brawl. There was a fight. These guys don't have that in them for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I'm, I've read and I've heard that WWE um, is kind of going with a more of an attitude-ish era for the third hour of Raw. I've heard that rumor somewhere. I think Mick Foley was the one who sort of started it. Um, do you think that's a good idea? I mean, like, it's a PG product, but I, there is some evidence that maybe they're doing that. Um, what would they do here? They tried to make the show look different, the darker surroundings, bring the lighting down, uh, more references to things like that. Do you think that would be a good idea on their part? I mean, it's the most popular era in the history of the company, right? People love the Attitude Era. They had the best views they've ever had in history during the Attitude Era. Uh, people have complained since the Attitude Era that it isn't the Attitude Era. I don't know that we're in a time when you can still book like the Attitude Era, especially when you have, like you say, you're still a PG environment, right? You can still kind of book the way it was booked then, but the shock factor back then really made things stick. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I think... We'll see. If it looks good, it looks good. Like I'm not going to complain about it, but I'm not holding my breath that it's going to look like it did back in you know the 90s and early 2000s and stuff. 
Well, if they're doing that, I wonder if it's just a response or a scream of a cry for help that they aren't really sure how to respond to all this AEW buzz and stuff. And they're going with what has worked in the past and, and stuff like that. So, you know, who knows if that's what they do. But yeah, I agree with you at the Triple H Randy Orton stuff. They were trying to make, you know, mountain out of a molehill here. This is, seems like a match that it's like Saudi people are like, yeah, let's just do Randy Orton and Triple H. And they're like, okay. And had yeah. no idea how to build it and what to do with it. So let's just shove the two in the ring and let them talk to each other and say all the things that they would, you know, say backstage if they were razzing each other seriously but not seriously. I mean, that's what that felt like to me. It was just kind of like, oh, man, we probably should talk about our match maybe a little bit on TV before Friday. Yeah, uh, Let's go out there and do that. Like, that's exactly what that felt like. So it was kind of strange, but, uh, you know, it was interesting nonetheless. I guess that is not really a, a match that I'm – eagerly looking forward to watching on super showdown card like there's i think the andrade finn balor match might be the match of the night oh yeah yeah for sure that'll be very entertaining again though kingston versus Ziggler, don't sleep on that one yeah they, i just have seen them for so long right like they've been around wwe for years and years and years like this is two guys and maybe you you don't get that sense because Ziggler's never around very much now kofi's the champion so he's got this new light shining on them. But these are two guys that have been around the, the business for like a dozen years. Right. So they both came in probably around the same time. Um, and they've both been underused and, and not taken advantage of Ziggler far more than Kingston for sure. But I've seen them for so long that I'm kind of like immune to them a little bit. I do like the idea that the, the Ziggler is attacking Kingston, but I can't imagine he's going to stick around much after Saudi Arabia. So I, for me, that match is predictable that there's no way Ziggler wins it. Sure. Unless he wins it and and then Lesnar cashes in on him. (laughs) That would be really unfortunate for Ziggler. (laughs) Yeah. Fans would go crazy just uh, talking about getting screwed. Um, I mean, it would get more heat on Brock Lesnar than anything, right? How can you get more heat on Brock Lesnar than beating Kofi Kingston? Get heat on Brock Lesnar when he beats Dolph Ziggler after Dolph Ziggler beats Kofi Kingston. Yeah. (laughs) Because Dolph Ziggler beating Kofi Kingston would be the only person that fans would be like, you know what? I'm okay with this. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he he's there to take the heat, right? And for him, any good heat is well, any heat at all is good heat. Like he needs all the attention that he can get. So if um, if you need to pick a guy, I mean, Lesnar's the other guy, right? But he wouldn't care. He's the guy who can take the heat, same as when he beat the Undertaker. Not that I'm comparing these two things, but um, he was the one guy in the company who could take that kind of heat, right? So. If you're looking to beat Kingston, you want to have somebody who you want people to hate beat Kingston. Legitimately like, hate, yeah. Yeah, that's the deal. Um, let's move on a little bit because there's a couple of other things that I think is worth talking about here. I don't know how much you've read it. Did you see the story on Bully Ray and Ring of Honor? Yeah, I saw that. I didn't know how to put it into words, so I just didn't talk about it, like write about it. But that's crazy, right? Like It, it seems weird, especially for bully ray who just seems to understand the business at such a deep level to get mad about this kind of thing and for the fans like i don't understand the issue like he just it didn't sound like it was that bad right it seems like he was just doing his part of being a fan and he even like specified too like i did it for no other reason than like they were the bad guys so well, that's his that's his side of the story what well, sounds- that, that, that's another thing too we don't know the full story because there's always more you know there's there's two there's three sides of the story you know bully ray side the fan side and the truth. Yeah. And and from what I'm reading now, the, the story coming out after this fan, I my sense from reading it right away 
was that, okay, this is awkward. Probably yeah. not a good look on Ring of Honor. Definitely yeah. not a good idea that Bully Ray is in a room by, this, by himself with this guy. Definitely no matter not. what he says or what he does, it doesn't yeah, look good. Yeah, don't, don't, don't uh, let the guy be like a like, – don't let him actually like coerce him and, and you know, like harass him just because there's something bad that happened at ringside. Like security should always be present there. Yeah. Well, and you can't deny it. Like you can say, oh, I never said that or no, I never did that. But if there's any witnesses that show that the two of you were in a room together by yourself, I mean, you can't really deny anything that this guy says at this point. Yeah, it's for your own protection too. Yeah, it's your word against his, right? But I also got the sense from reading this that this fan is clearly out for the attention, right? Like he's not, he went into multiple tweets on a really long story and he wanted people to know his his experience. But I don't, I, he said it and framed it around the whole, I'm really disappointed in ROH and blah, 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 blah. But I thought there was more to it than that. And now what I'm hearing and reading are that, you know, there was a lot of wrestlers and a lot of other fans around this guy saying that he was not even close to appropriate. Like his whole story was, oh, I was just booing and, I was being a fan that, you know, was jeering the bag. I mean, that he was way out of line. It was way more okay, than just doing. Yeah, like he was making comments that uh, you can't even repeat um, towards sure. the women. And, and that's when they got angry, right? It's like, yeah, you know, boo us and, and insult us a little bit. But at the same time, there are certain comments that are just way out of line, which is why, um, what's her name, Mandy, something spit on him, right? Because mm-hmm. his comments were so lewd and so disgusting um and that he had done it multiple shows in a row it wasn't like this was the first time yeah Yeah, it wasn't like the first time that this guy had showed up at a ring like these guys all knew who this kid was and he had been there and they had heard him making comments before so i think the whole they called him into the back was more of a total overall picture of hey you keep coming to these shows you keep making these comments you're ruining the experience for the people around you you're ruining this for us and he's not a good human being at that point. Like, feel yeah. a little classy, man. Do we know how old yeah. this guy is? Like, roughly? No, I, I I don't know. He didn't look very old from the picture that he's got on his social media profile. I won't yeah. steer people towards him because I don't want anybody going. No, 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 for blah, blah, sure. Blah. We don't we don't but, want to do that. No, but he didn't look like he was all that old. Um, and but Bully Ray came out and said, "Yeah, this guy just wants the attention. Like, this is not at all how this happened. I was very polite. I said, just go be a fan, respect the women, and they they let him back into the show, and they said." Once he realized what he had said to the women, he should have been ejected from the moment that he started to say it. Um, but that didn't happen. They left him in the building, and so it turned into all of this. Ring of Honor is still looking into it. It's not a pretty situation. I'm sure that something will have to come out of this because just like I said at the beginning, just having security usher this guy into the back, take him into a room or bully in him or alone – it's just not what you want to be doing in that situation, right? That screams of like the, oh, I've been cheating at the blackjack table, so let's break his legs behind the. That's what, yeah, that's how I pictured it as well. Right, you can't do that. Like that's just not not a good look, no matter what you say. I mean, you got you could have given him a lollipop, a free ticket to the next show, and pat him on the back, but it still wouldn't look good. Because like, he can say whatever can't. he wants too. If there's no if there's no one back there, right? Right, and um, you can't deny it, other than to say no, it didn't happen that way, right? So, it's it's just not good. As for the Bully Ray stuff in general, even the way he presented, like the, the guy originally presented the story, he just made it seem like Bully Ray was just like talking sternly to him. And then he's even like, like you said, then I'll go be a fan. Like he wasn't ever like, physical with him. He never touched him or anything. So even yeah. then, like it was a bad look for Ring of Honor. But Bully Ray, I don't know. I feel like it was it was blown out of proportion as far as he was concerned. But I'm glad that you cleared things up for me. Because again, we don't see this enough with um, 
with any news, you know, in, in any news in the world, we always see the original big story, but then that story can be like debunked or proven wrong. But you know, one third, one eighth, one tenth of the people will see the you know the retraction and see who the actual story is. So I'm glad that you like directed me towards that now because that's interesting. I didn't uh, I didn't see the rest of it up until just now when you told me. So good. Well, here's the only last piece I'll add to this, and just so that you know there is something on the other side here too. From what I understand and the accounts that I've read and people who have met Bully Ray, he's a dick. Like he is absolutely sure. a re- a real jerk, and he will tell you exactly what he's thinking. So it doesn't surprise me at all if this kid walked away like crap in his pants. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it was pulled in that room and it was like, oh, geez. And Bully Ray probably talked to him in a way of like, look, you're going to do this or there's going to be a problem. And it was probably very intimidated. And the one thing that he knew to do was to go to social media and be like, Bleh. right. So I'm sure that Bully Ray probably made him very nervous. And from my accounts of it, it wouldn't have taken much to do that, but yeah, like there's a lot here that people don't know. And at the same time, there's a lot, there's no real innocent party here. Like bully Ray, when you have a history of being a jerk like that, it's going to come back to haunt you when your fan is repeatedly, you know, abusive and stuff like that. Well, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt from other people who are going to tell others exactly what happened. Um, and ROH doesn't look good because they didn't handle this properly. So it'll, uh, it'll be an interesting story to see if this goes anywhere. Cause bully Ray has a lot to lose. Like I can't imagine this His is going to get to the show. point. Yeah. He, I can't imagine this is going to get to the point where anything like that will happen. But if there, if something comes out of this and it's proven that there's something not good there, I mean, he, he's got a pretty good budding career in radio that he's doing really well with. So hopefully that doesn't affect him in any way, but you know, that he even responded to this means there's something there. Cause normally these guys just ignore that kind of crap. Right. Yeah. Has anybody, any company been hurt as much? I mean, New Japan obviously got hurt. But has any company been hurt as much by AEW as Ring of Honor? No one talks about it, but Ring of Honor, just they're the really, like, the big losers in the situation. Oh, yeah. And they, and for doing the right thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, the only mistake that they probably made, and I read this somewhere, was that the Young Bucks came out and said, we wouldn't have made aew and there would be no aew if new japan and ring of honor had just respected us you know like when they came up for their contract renewals they asked ring of honor they were going to stick around and see if they could do some kind of mutual partnership agreement with new japan and ring of honor and neither company was like yeah we don't want to do that like nah that's not really something we want to do so because of that they got together with cody and started this aew thing and that was the fuel because they weren't when tony khan came to them and said let's do this tv thing i want to do the pay-per-view right away they weren't into it because they were still trying to work with ring of honor and sort it all out and ring of honor just said no i don't think that's the way we want to go kind of said okay well you think you're bluffing you're not going to go and they left right so that was the only real mistake that ring of honor made outside of that ring of honor has done everything right like they've let these guys be themselves they let them build their own characters they've given them creative freedom they've given them a platform they've taken them in when wwe spit them out or other people have built themselves from the indies to being as popular as guys like kenny omega and the young bucks and stuff are now and they've helped them get there and the repayment is okay well we're done with you now let's go do our own thing and now aew is the second biggest wrestling company with only one show under their belt right like that sucks. Even before they have the one show under their belts, yeah. Yeah, like that's that really kind of blows if you're, you know, AEW or uh, Ring of Honor and that has happened to you. But they'll still be what Ring of Honor always has been, probably even with AEW, uh, WWE. They uh, to me, I, 
they're a different product, but they might be like the ECW of WCW WWE times, right? Like sure. there were the two big companies, and then there was ECW sort of in the corner that everybody really liked, uh, but they didn't have a ton of money and they didn't have a ton of resources, and they were still floating around, you know, with that smaller crowd. That could be Ring of Honor, right? Like they'll be the the company that never really goes away, but at the same time, they're never going to be huge. Um, and that doesn't help that they helped AEW get to where they are. Yeah. I mean, literally with their entire roster, too. Like, Ring of Honor and New Japan, more than WWE, really, like, that's where these rosters come from. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's where everybody knows them. I mean, if you are AEW fan now and you're just learning about some of these guys for the first time, go back and watch some of the Ring of Honor stuff, and then you'll get your intro, right? Because that's where a lot Even of Even WWE. Guys... Like, look at all of WWE's roster. They're all Ring of Honor guys. Samojo, Seth Rollins, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, CM Punk at the time. You know, like they're, they're all uh, Ring of Honor guys. Yeah. Yeah, many of whom sort of became popular in TNA and Impact. Like, you talk about Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. AJ Styles. Yeah. Those guys, right? Like, they they did their Impact TNA thing, which got some eyeballs for a while. So that's where some of these people would have, um, you know, got introduced to them. But you're right. There are always, how it's always been and probably always will be sort of like a feeding system. It's where you first go to take your next step. So if you're trying to, if your eventual goal is to make it to WWE or maybe now WWE or AEW, you have to sort of go through Ring of Honor to get there. That seems to be like the okay, I'm in Ring of Honor now, so I'm closer. You know, I'm I'm getting yep. there. I'm in this promotion, which means I'm on my way. That's how Ring of Honor will always be probably viewed. Um, or the other way around. I've been there, I did that, I'm struggling now, I'm coming back down. Let's go through Ring of Honor on our way out. Right. And so they may be that promotion and, and that could be okay for them. But um yeah, you're right. That's a good call. They haven't uh they, they've probably suffered more than anybody else has, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. I think um, I'm I'm looking forward to a little bit of the Super Showdown, parts of it anyway. It's going to be a bloody long pay-per-view. Um, they always are. There's a lot on there that I really couldn't care less about. But at the same time, I'm interested to see what Goldberg Undertaker looks like. I don't know if that's going to close the show. you think that's going to close the show? I hope not. Like, if it does and it's three minutes long, that'll yeah. be interesting. It, it can't be a long match. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it would be them just staring at each other to start, at the very least. Yeah. I, I, it's not going to be the main event as far as, like, best, of the, best match of the night goes. And in my opinion, the best match of the night should be the last match. I know yeah, you think what, the biggest match should be. What is it, though? Like, if you look at the card, the way that it's laid out right now, Lesnar doesn't have a match. It's Rollins and Corbin. And it's Kingston and Ziggler. One of those two matches, but then I guess it depends on who Lesnar cashes in on. Because Lesnar cashing in on Rollins or Corbin to end the night, or Ziggler or uh, Kingston to end the night, would be the the logical way to go with it. But I don't know if that's how they're going to finish the show or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one drawback for me here, is that other than Goldberg and The Undertaker, which will be a very short match, but is kind of main event material. Oh, yeah, it's huge. yeah, I don't know how else they would close it and what other match you would put there. Like, you can't be Randy Orton Triple H. And if you do, people are just going to beat that one to, to crap because they're like, oh, yeah, of course it's Triple H, Randy Orton. The same match, the same guys we've been seeing fight for 20 years. Like, yeah, it just you, why would you do that to yourself, right? So I can't see them being the main. I just don't know what the main event is. Like, that's I, it's very rare to go into a pay-per-view and be like, I have no idea what the last match would be. 
yeah. you know. So to me, it has to be Undertaker Goldberg, but I don't know how you pull that off if you're only going to do like a two and a half minute match. But uh, Raw and SmackDown was a little bit better this week. Uh, could still be better. The one thing we haven't talked about. Oh my god, I can't believe we forgot to talk about this. Is, oh my god, yeah, we got to cut. Well, let's finish with that because that was probably the best part of the whole bloody week. Um, it was very different, like extremely different. The Wyatt Jim, the Huskis, the Pig Boy. Um, what did you think of the Firefly Funhouse episode this week? It's always so good. And like you said, it's always different. Even when they like, it felt like they were going really dark with it, and like they were finally going to be like, okay, we're now officially dark, and that's how it's going to be. <laughs> they pull this one out, right? Where he's like, this is going to be a very serious, you know, conversation and episode. And then they have what they they pull out with like the the gym and like the dancing and the new characters and like, yeah, it was good good for Bray Wyatt getting a chance to stretch his creative legs. The Vince McMahon is the devil, but. That yeah. was interesting, right? Like, <laughs> I saw a theory online where somebody is saying that all of these videos and vignettes that we're seeing is Bray Wyatt's mind. Like, this is all coming out of his head. This isn't really happening. These things aren't actually existing, but this is Bray Wyatt. Like, Bray Wyatt's in a mental hospital somewhere, and this is what's going on in his crazy head right now. And we're seeing all of these thoughts and things that he's doing on the TV screen, and it's going to turn out at some point to be his brain like this is just all imagined by bray wyatt and i don't know if i buy that theory but at the same time there are bits and pieces of it that start to make a little sense like they've got all these references to his past with the huskies the pig boy being husky heroes yeah which is really funny yeah buzzard uh you know was wayland mercy uh mercy the buzzard they've got the vince mcmahon who is the devil could have been anybody but now he's the devil right which there was a point, I think, back in the day before he discovered this Bray Wyatt character that he was on the verge of getting canned. And everybody sees McMahon as the devil, right? So it's like he's the bad guy that everybody hates because of what's going on here. I I don't know. But these there's so much hidden meaning behind all of these these videos and what's going on. And even on this last one, it was all, you know, like the 80s disco vibe of a music video with the neons and the crazy outfits and then the Hulk Hogan poses at the end and stuff. Yeah. There's still the reference to this fiend guy. And I guess he's now officially named the fiend. His alter ego slash evil guy with the crazy pants and the mask. He's called the fiend now. They even threw him in there on a very subliminal kind of flashing, you know, lose your mind, I think is what he said at one point. Um, It lasted only a couple seconds. And even like Abby the Witch didn't want to dance, wasn't getting involved, just stood there and was like, nope. (laughs) Like, there's so much hidden to these videos that I, I... I'd have to go back and watch them all again and just try to take them apart and see what you can get out of it. But are we reading too much into it? Or do you think these are really hidden messages that there's an end game here? I have no idea, but I, I like what I'm seeing. and I, I don't know where it's going to go, but I also don't want it to end. You know, so I just, just keep doing whatever they're doing. How do you think they'll end it? Like at some point this has to move from to him being actually on the roster. To yeah. Being in the, in the ring or to doing whatever, like, do you think they'll take these videos and they'll put them on stage like a, you know, Piper's Pit slash Barbershop slash, you know, uh, Miss TV sort of segment where they do this kind of thing live? Or do they just bring them in the ring and then they forget all about these videos and videos? Because they're now at the point with however many episodes they've done, seven or eight of them, that when they go away, people are going to be sad that yep. they're gone. Right. So do they keep doing them when he's around? Do they just get rid of them altogether and then 
translated over to a live show? Do they just ditch the shows altogether and now why it's a wrestler again? Like, I don't know where they go with this and how they pull that off. I wonder it's what the possible. plan is. It's possible they don't know either. Well, they've got to be making these videos, you know, well enough in advance that they have them scripted and, and planned out for a while, right? Like, but, but do they know where they're going to go with them at the end? Like what they're going to do with them as far or not with the videos, but with Wyatt by the end of like the this whole thing? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, but I guess my point is that they've got to have enough on the agenda that they've said, OK, we're going to make 10 to 15 of these videos. Um you know, and then once we're done there, we're done there. Or they've got like six or seven to go, and they're like, "Geez, these are way too popular. We can't stop doing them. Let's make six or seven more." Right? It's like a TV show being picked up. Like yeah. they're so popular that they got to make more. But they've probably scripted out how many there are, especially if he's got all these hidden meetings and messages that he's trying to send within the videos. I mean, you got to plan that stuff out, right? You got to write it and figure it out and what you want to do. So there'll be a, an interesting point here where. People will either get sick of the videos and Wyatt never wrestles or he starts to wrestle and the videos go down and people are sad that the videos are gone. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, for now, everybody seems to be enjoying these vignettes and these videos with no idea what's coming for the future. But I'm curious to see where they go. It's just really refreshing. It's really neat. Um, And that he's referencing people like McMahon who may or may not have his hands all over this thing uh, as the devil Clearly, he had to get that approved by somebody. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting, too. But we're getting new characters now, which I didn't expect, right? I mean, they they took a little bit of time off between adding new characters. And now they have... I mean, again, the Husky-Harris reference was hilarious to me. I thought it was very clever. And it, it just... This whole gimmick, this whole Firefly Funhouse thing... Who could have seen this coming a year ago, where Bray Wyatt would be... You know, you go from the stale guy who... Is very interesting, but who loses every match? To wow, this guy somehow got more interesting, and he's doing all these segments by himself, right? Like this is all him. All we're seeing is him and some puppets, and he has just locked in like this. Like it's, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever been as excited about seeing puppets in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Not since I was a little kid, and used to watch the Muppets all the time. But yeah, no yeah, yeah. Oh well, man, it's uh, entertaining. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what. WWE Raw looks like after the Super Showdown on Friday because, as we pointed out and you alluded to earlier in the in the podcast, this pay per view is like leading up to being a dead end. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to come after this. Like there's there's no expectation that Kingston and Ziggler will continue. There's no expectation that Randy Orton and Triple H will continue. Rollins and Corbin probably won't continue. I mean, there's no continuation from this pay per view. So they're starting yeah. basically fresh. After Friday, so it'll be interesting to see what they do on on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, any parting words you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, no, just you know, support your local podcasts, I guess. Yeah, well, we'll let them know where they can find us. Uh, Anchor.fm is the home of where we produce the podcast. TheSportsRadar.com, you can definitely go there, check it out. Uh, WrestlingWriteUps.com, we'll have it there as well. Um, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean. We just got a notification; we're there now. Yep. Um, so anywhere that you can find your podcast platforms, you can definitely check out our podcast. We do encourage you to check it out. Uh, we are now on YouTube. So all of the podcasts that you hear audio wise, you can now search smart marks of wrestling podcast on YouTube and find them there. We just uploaded the last episode. I will go back and I will upload all the other ones from prior to, so you can search them on YouTube if you prefer to do it that way. 
Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on. Listen to it, subscribe to it, download it, comment on it, share it with other people. Um, let's see if we can't get this thing going. Uh, check out the archives and sportster.com for all your news and rumors and uh, follow us on wrestling write-ups or wrestle write-ups on Twitter and wrestling write-ups on Facebook. Yeah. And, and tell us what you want to see. Like if, if there's a certain segment you want to see, or if you want to talk more about, you know, raw or AEW or ring of honor for whatever reason, let us know. Like we'll talk about it for sure. Yeah, we like all wrestling. So we cover mostly WWE and AEW because that's what the fans seem to know the most about. But we're we're fans of all sorts of stuff. So uh, definitely until next week when we chat again, uh, keep your eye on thesportster.com, uh, wrestlingwriteoffs.com, and all the other places. But this has been another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. We'll talk to you next week.